0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Tennis One Podcast here in the Tennis One Up on YouTube and on Spotify. Madison Golden alongside Patrick Kuehl, and we are well into the Madrid Open, folks. It's been quite the tournament thus far. If you recall, last time we did a draft with our colleague Laura Sunday, so Patrick is going to kind of take us through, give us the updated draft, and who's in the lead?
1: Yeah, it's... uh... I don't want to say I knew it, but it's playing out how I thought it would in terms of the men and in terms of me not being excited. Because <laughs> Madison took all the players I wanted to draft. <laughs> yeah. It is working well for Madison and Laura. If uh, you guys look at the the draft board, we have it linked in the last podcast. So if you want to find it, you can look at it there. But on the men's side, Laura has Alcaraz and Sitsipas left. And Madison, you have Fritz. Uh, although he's hanging, he's hanging on by a thread here. So if he, he, let's see what the score is right now. He's playing uh, Jang Ju, Jinju. Uh, let's see, um, Jang Jinjin. Jin, my my apologies there. Okay, he's up three two on serve in the third. So we'll see if he can if he can beat this giant killer. But uh, yeah, you you got Fritz. And you and Laura are tied right now, six to six. Dang. I scored very few points. I don't even <laughs> want to say how many points I scored, but it was uh, less than three, more than one. We'll say that. <laughs> so, that's okay. Yeah. I've been there. I've been <laughs> there. So that was that was a tough go. But on the women's side, I am currently in the lead. So that's, that's a good feeling. But there you go. things can change quickly. So we'll see. But it's it's close pretty much overall. Everybody's still got a chance to win on the women's side. Laura has Ega left. So her th- other three players all out. Unfortunately, her wild card lost in the first round. So wasn't able to get a point there. Uh, my wild card actually did better than my, my top 10 and field pick. So Camila Osorio, shout out, got me two points. Woo! <laughs> i still have sabalanka left so i need her to to keep going to keep me in the lead right now i have eight points madison has seven and laura has five uh madison you still have jess pagula there eight we go points. jpeg riding strong so <laughs> so yeah that's uh that's where we stand right now in the, in the draft so i'm glad i'm not losing both but yeah man poor showing me yeah. on the men's side. yeah
0: It's tough. I mean, I've been I've been in that same position where I've been real low in both categories. So at least you got your women's side. And I know there's some drama in our draft, but there's also been some drama at the Madrid Open. Patrick's been up early watching it all unfold. So a couple storylines. Patrick, do you want to kind of talk us through maybe some of the more dramatic moments at this year's Madrid Open thus far?
1: Yeah, we get these videos in our app through the Associated Press, and there's been a lot of videos lately about sort of controversial, controversial things coming through to our app. So it's been, uh, you know, I, I think it's good for tennis. We, we were always talking about break point and how it compares to drive to survive. And I think we can all agree that F1 has a little more drama, but it's nice to see some of this drama unfolding in tennis. So yeah. Um, <clears throat> You know, in the first round on the men's side, there was Munar against Kokonakis, and they kind of got into a tussle because Kokonakis thought that Munar was just like constantly talking to his box all the time. Like, and, and then Kokonakis got called for a time violation during the match, and he wasn't happy about it. Went up to the chair umpire to start, I believe it was Mohamed Layatni. And, uh, you know, contest this thing and and explain. And, and then, of course, Munar says something to him as he's walking up, and he basically tells Munar to shut up. You know, he's like, <laughs> bro, shut up. And Munar, in that moment, didn't necessarily go off, but when they went to shake hands later afterwards, which Munar won the match, uh, he told Kokonakis never to tell him to shut up again. And, of course, Kokonakis, you know, doesn't is, he never just takes it. He's just like, okay, I'm going to explain why you're wrong in this situation. So it got in a little bit of a, you know, um, it, it was just all talk really. So, you know, no, nobody's like hitting anybody or anything like yeah, that. Yeah,
0: nothing physical. Yeah. It just no. seems Tanasi yeah. kind of has that almost curious attitude with things. And I feel, obviously we know that they're friends, they've played doubles yeah. together, they've had success. So I wonder if that, you know, that Australian kind of attitude is... Yeah. more common amongst athletes or if that's just how Australians are, but then you see a lot of Australians that are laid back. So I don't know.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know when, when they're passionate, they're passionate. I mean like Jordan Thompson, is kind of, you know, he can be feisty too. He he gets revved up. Uh, but I think it's just all ultra competitiveness. Um, definitely Kokonakis. He spends a lot of time with Kyrgios and uh, I think sometimes it kind of rubs off on him a little bit. Cause I think overall Kokonakis is is a little more chill than Nick is, but yeah, but he, he can uh, get fired up once in a while. So yeah, that was, that was kind of fun to see a uh, little, you know, just getting us <laughs> rolling right off the bat. And uh, also in the first round on the women's side, uh, Eugenie Bouchard, who is trying to get back into it. She had a interesting tweet that she, she sent out and it has since been deleted, but she beat Yastremska the Ukrainian player in the first round and afterwards she tweeted Bouchard did uh, there's something about playing dobers in madrid which <laughs> Yastremska had been provisionally suspended back in 2021 um for for something that she took and actually she like appealed it and it was found that through no fault of her own did this sort of like positive test come up so So sometimes players take things via other routes that like, you know, they're not intentionally trying to, you know, whatever, take performance enhancing substances. And I don't know all the details, but she was basically absolved of this whole thing. Kind of a similar situation to what Simona Halep is hoping to be absolved of, but it's, it seems a lot longer to get this sort of appeal hearing. So that's unfortunate because Simona's awesome, but, uh, yeah, so anyway, Yastramska she she got cleared, like her name was cleared, and I think Bouchard didn't fully realize that. She was basically referring to she had beaten uh Sharapova. Uh Bouchard did back in like 2017, and I think everybody remembers uh Sharapova was suspended for like 15 months for taking um uh, uh I think it was a heart medication, but like it has performance enhancing And clearly she, um, they didn't think that she just took it for whatever this heart condition was. So that's sort of what Bouchard was referring to. But she ended up deleting the tweet. uh, And I saw David Kane, the journalist, he had posted that it was because actually she was in violation of the WTA code by sort of calling out a player like that in public. Um, Anytime you have, you know, issues around the, those types of things, you're supposed to bring it to the WTA directly. And, um, you know, obviously Bouchard wasn't going to bring it to them. She just was kind of thought she was being funny or whatever, but, uh, yeah. So I, I mean, I'm just, overall great turn for Bouchard. She got through qualifying and even won her first round, which is more than, you know, she's been able to do in recent years. I've so a
0: long time. She,
1: yeah, we'll see if she can, uh, have some strong results this year, but that was all in the first round uh if we want to keep going i mean the spanish crowd has kind of been a, a subject that people have been talking about during this tournament because they're they're rowdy uh they're loud they when you start to hear the whistling they like they love to you know whistle anytime a player does something that they don't necessarily approve of and kind of you know give them a little shit type thing and uh, <laughs> rune holger runa he was oh. playing against a Spaniard davidovich Fokina, who ruined his serve it was like a 40 love point it, it was called in davidovich like kind of challenged it but there's electronic you know they're using electronic calling so i you know i don't know that he was going to win the challenge ever but he was sure that the serve was out the electronic line calling shows the serve was in like not, it wasn't even really that close to being out as well on the line uh, it was a 40 left point. So really shouldn't have been that dramatic, but um, Alejandro didn't want to let it go and kind of went up to the chair umpire and was still arguing about it saying like, no, that was the wrong mark. So then uh, Carlos Bernardes, who is the chair umpire had to like, he's on the walkie talkie. Like, are you sure that's the right mark? And um, then all of a sudden the tournament supervisor comes out and, and uh, Alejandro is talking to him. Meanwhile, Rune. Finishes his changeover, walks to the other side, looks at where the serve landed, and then like steps on the mark and and brushes it off how you can do in clay, how you just kind of clear the mark out. And Alejandro is still arguing about the the mark at that time. And so the crowd didn't really like it. And, you know, of course, Runa is already playing a Spanish player, so they're rooting for him in general. But then he did that, and it kind of gave the crowd a reason to get loud and start the whistling and let him know that they they were not cool with that. And Holger wasn't super happy with the the treatment he was starting to receive from the crowd. So, like, the next changeover, he's talking to Carlos Bernardes, the umpire, about it. And and he is telling him, like, look, basically, if you do stuff like that, they're going to – be loud and we can't control them like I can't keep the crowd quiet if you do things like that that will sort of antagonize them so yeah it was uh it was it was pretty interesting and, and afterwards you know Holger kind of said he didn't think he did anything wrong which is often what he says and yeah you know that's fine once in a while but like when things happen sort of frequently with him against other opponents and that's kind of always what he says he didn't think he did anything wrong or the other person started it or it's it's always kind of like a little comes off a little immature and he is young mm-hmm. so that's to be expected i think as he gets older he'll look back at some of this stuff and whether he thinks he was right in the situation or not he'll kind of maybe understand what you know how to not put himself in these types of positions so because people want to root for him he's fun to watch and He's a yeah. good player, a really oh, good yeah. player. He's great. He's top 10 and he's um dynamic and yeah, great to watch. So it's just Yeah. Like, some of this uh, non The
0: maturity thing like you said is is huge.
1: Exactly. So. But you
0: then you look at some of these other really young players and they have not behaved that way. So
1: True. True. <laughs> I mean, everybody always points to Alcaraz, you know, when they're talking about Runa. they're like, "Well, Alcaraz, you know, is uh uh, mature beyond his years, I guess. He, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. You know. On and off the court.
1: Yeah. Crazy. No so that's, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Everybody, everybody grows up in their own time. So
0: definitely, definitely. And I mean, speaking of younger players, Igas Fiontech, the queen of clay, uh, how do you feel she's been playing this tournament thus far?
1: Yeah, she obviously is coming off uh, a win in stuttgart so that's great for her not being able she wasn't able to play the miami open so that was kind of a bummer she couldn't defend the title there but then she came right back and first clay tournament she played and she won so she hasn't lost on the clay yet um i'm trying to remember how many matches she she that was probably five six seven she may be like seven and oh now on the clay something like that wow Um, so yeah, she's, she's having a great start to the clay season. I will say the last two matches or so now the scoreline against para looks pretty straightforward, but some of it was eh, like closer than, than maybe it it looks in the score. And then against Alexandrov,a she, she could have shut the door, uh, at at the end of the second set. I'm trying to remember what the exact scoreline was. Um, but she'd won the first set six, three, and then let me just see.
0: So she could have won it in straight sets. And then you could have it- won it
1: in straights for sure. Um, I have to look it up later, but, but yeah. And, and Alexandrova kind of broke back and got back in the match and then ended up winning this, the second set. And then it went to a third and ega was able to shut the door, but it just kind of, you know, I, I don't know. You can't always be like hundred percent focused constantly in a tennis match. It, it really is hard. And he is great at it. Um, but I don't know, maybe she just kind of lost, lost a little bit of focus and then she opened the door. So we'll see, she's not going to be able to do that against some of these other players she's about to go up against. Um, she's going to play Petra Marduk, who's been on the tour for a while and Mm -hmm. has beaten some good players so far in this tournament, uh, beating, I mean, Seguin's n- nothing to sneeze at as Laura Sunday would like to say. <laughs> <laughs> Kalinskaya is good. Uh, she just beat Krejcikova. So that's a huge win.
0: That is a big win.
1: Yeah, and that was in straights. So um, she, she's playing really well. So that's not going to be easy. And then if she wins that, she may play with Pagula if Pagula can beat Kutumatova. And she's already lost to Pagula once this year. Um, that was on hard court. But yeah, we'll, but still- we'll see it's yeah. Once you get to number one and everybody's gunning for you, it's it's hard to, um, Iga talks about it a lot because she has been so dominant and she gets asked so much about like, like how she's able to keep the focus, how she's able to like, people just expect her to win all these matches, you know, because she did have that really long streak last year. And people kind of assume that if she plays her best, no one can beat her. Um, and she she'll be the first one to kind of like dispel that when she gets asked about it. she always wants to you know say every match is a challenge and um, it, nothing is guaranteed and all that kind of stuff so yeah, yeah. we'll see she's gonna have to beat Marduk, uh and then maybe Pagula and then you know she may have to play Sabalenka who she beat in the finals of Stuttgart but I don't know Sabalenka is looking good so yeah we'll
0: she does look really good And another WTA player looking good in Madrid, Maria Sakari. I mean, she's a player that is so hot and cold. And really, this year has not had that great of results. So what have you liked? Maybe what stood out to you the most about the way that she's been playing on clay?
1: Yeah, like you said, this year has not necessarily been everything that she wanted. I mean, she did pretty well Indian Wells. I think she made the semis, but she lost early in the Australian open. And that was, that was kind of a bummer for her, I think. And so, yeah, th- this tournament so far has been her, her best, I would say, uh, best result of the year. Um, she's in the quarters, uh, she's playing right now. Uh, and unfortunately she's down a break, so we'll see it's first set plenty of plenty of time. Uh, she actually lost the first set, um, in her match with Masarova, right? Yeah. Three, six, six, three, six, three. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's, it's not like she's lost to any players other than the Australian Open. I would say she hasn't lost to anybody. That's not like a, a really strong player. You know, the, her losses have been to, um, I mean, I can just tell you who they've been to right here. Uh, she lost to, Martic, who we were just saying, is strong player Jess Pagula, Pliskova, Sabalenka, Andreescu, Pliskova again. So she's not losing to anybody that is like, you know, uh, that she, like, for sure should be beating every time. So um, just maybe a little bit of bad luck in some of that. And uh, it's in tennis, it's just about having a short memory and getting back out there and she's been able to do that at this tournament and i mean she just beat bedosa um in the in the last match in straights so that's a strong result especially in front of the spanish crowd which you know for bedosa so yeah that was a strong result but every you know she's in a new match now so we'll see if she can get past bagu because bagu is a good clay court player and uh is playing some of her best tennis right now so
0: yeah she i you know i wish i hope the best for her just because she you know has talked in the past about just struggling with the mental side a lot and I mean we saw that in breakpoint so I'm glad to see that she's like you said had a short memory this tournament and I hope that she can kind of continue that as the year progresses and you know heading into some more slams so we'll see
1: yeah'll be I'm excited to see the second part of uh, breakpoint and see how many of these players do they check back in with? you know, are they I know there's some new players like with Tiafo and Sviantec and Alcaraz, hopefully, yeah. Um, <laughs> but even like the second hat, you know the one that comes out in June, I think it'll be cool to see um if they check back in with like Bedosa and Jabur, and I mean, obviously Jabur probably because she makes the finals of the u s. Open so. Uh, and wimbledon right yeah oh yeah for sure they'll be talking to Jabur. so we'll see but uh
0: that'll be yeah. a fun one um another player switching over to the men's side that was very featured in breakpoint part one uh taylor fritz is having one hell of a clay season
1: Yeah, he, is. he made
0: back-to-back semis already quarterfinals here in madrid I mean I I love this for him.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, he's so he's trying to get in the quarters right now. He he won the first set. Against, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, against uh, Zhang and Zhang has lost the first set in his last two matches uh against Chapo and Nori and then he's come back and won both those matches and he's tr- oh my gosh, he's trying to do the same now and he's up a break against Fritz serving oh, at no. 5-4. Well, so we'll see. These players have been doing well. Taylor's had a great clay season so far. So if he loses this match, it's not like that. It takes that away. But um, he he does. He's one of the players I thought has a sort of big opportunity right now. If he were to get through this match in the in the bottom half of the draw with Prats uh, just beat Medvedev. So if Fritz were to win this, he was going to play Karatsev to try to get into the semis. Um and they've never played before but I think that is you know a good opportunity for Fritz so we'll see Zhang the giant killer is uh <laughs> oh he's love 15 right now so Fritz, oh I'm man so we'll see if Fritz can get a break back obviously this is this would be the biggest win of Zhang's career he's the first Chinese man I believe to make the fourth round at a master's thousand ever wow so he's already sort of uh, made some history for his country and trying to take it further but yeah fritz fritz has been playing great on the clay and yesterday i saw on twitter um trying to remember who it was but somebody was talking about betting on fritz to win roland garros because the odds were good for fritz like it it wasn't you know it's not a sure thing that he wins but i think it was like wow so the, and you know it, it was just like out of these sort of players that aren't the very most favorite to win the tournament. Like Fritz seems the strongest in this category to try and take. And um somebody else on Twitter was kind of like, you know, discounting that and saying, oh no, Fritz has no chance to win Roland Garros. But I don't know. He's he's playing really well on the clay and he's had strong results at some of the other majors now. So we'll see. I mean he's top 10 player. So I don't think he especially with Nadal like we don't even know if Nadal's gonna play and then um Djokovic has had some injuries as of late so I don't know I kind of think the French is wide open this year so we'll see I mean obviously Alcaraz has got to be a favorite but for sure but
0: you never know and Morgan Riddle not in Madrid right now she will be back for Rome she'll be back in Europe and when she's been (laughs) there he's made two semifinals so coincidence I don't know
1: yeah well okay we got we got a love 40 (laughs) right now uh, on Jang serve. So Fritz might be getting a break back right now. This is, you're getting some live commentary here, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, maybe Morgan should have been at, been at this match, you know, if he loses, that could have been, that could have been the issue.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, I guess my kind of last few questions for you about Madrid, have there been any matches that you feel, have been a must-watch or have been such an exciting match that you're like, wow, I can't, like, for clay, especially, with it notably being a little bit slower.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, let me look back at the draw because there's been so many matches. I mean, the Stoops team match was really exciting. It was cool to see team back, you know, it's hard to sustain it, but for a match back playing at a really strong level and to lose seven five in the third set tie break to sitsipass. That's kind of a heartbreaker. And afterwards they went and shook hands and they're friends and sitsipass, you could tell, just kind of was like, hey, you know, you you deserve to be here. Mm-hmm. keep believing, you know, that kind of vibe. Didn't he say
0: you still have it? I I'm pretty sure that's okay, like, you said still yeah. have it. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Cause that's what it looks like for sure. He's like pointing at his chest and stuff. Like you still have it. Cause it's just taken a while for, for team to kind of get back to where he was, um, with, you know, wrist injury, wrist injuries are rough in tennis. So, um, oh. whereas Zverev who, you know, took a tumble last year on the clay, he's, he's been able to sort of not get all the way back to where he was, but get back faster. Um, so yeah, that, that was just cool to see team, uh, you know, play at that level and hopefully he can keep it going and we'll see where he, where he stands at Roland Garros, that guy that was on Twitter saying Fritz couldn't win Roland Garros thought team had a better shot to win than Fritz. So I was like, no. wow, that's, I don't know. At one point, yes. But that was, yeah. that was interesting. Um, let me just look. I mean, da, da, da. Let, me, let me look at the women's side because that was a men's match. Well, okay. So the teenage, uh, she was 15 to start the tournament, had a oh, birthday. Uh, Mira I'm so cool. 16 during the tournament, she won a number of, of matches against strong opponents. I mean, she beat Layla Fernandez in her first match. Mira is a wild card uh, just for the record. And and she beat Fernandez who made the 21 U S open final. Then she beat Haddad Mia who's uh, like 14 in the world. And then she beat Magda Lynette who is uh, like top 20 and, you know, made the semis of the Australian open this year. So as a 15 year old, that's a hell of a run at this tournament you're getting a wild card into. And then, uh, she was stopped by Sabalenka, but not before on the set. After one of her post-match interviews, they were they were asking her, you know, what's this like for you, 15-year-old at this Masters 1000 winning these matches and stuff? And she was like, oh, it's so crazy. Look over and like, you see Andy Murray over there. And she called him like beautiful or something. She did. <laughs> and, yeah, she called Murray beautiful. And Murray tweeted back like, imagine how good she's going to be once she gets her eyes checked. <laughs> Which that was great
0: that was so funny it is funny that that's who you know who she picked to describe as beautiful love that energy she really yeah out, that's of, our, out of everybody you could choose in tennis there are a lot of beautiful people but yeah. andy murray she just throws them out there
1: there you go we know where she stands <laughs> so um, but yeah no that's been fun to watch andreva and she uh yes yeah, i mean for her age she's like very strong i mean and and like pretty tall and yeah so she's a. Uh, having a strong start to her pro career that's for sure uh and then yeah look. that's that
0: so, young too that's absolutely mind-blowing
1: yeah so i would just say andre ask you good to see her back uh she lost her first match close but like she said she tore a couple ligaments in her ankle and and that was in miami like less than a, it was like a month ago. And she's playing in this tournament. I mean, I tore ligaments last December, Michael, and I was out for like <laughs> seven, eight months. So <laughs> Quick
0: I, turnaround for her. My God.
1: I don't know what they're doing over there, but that was a, uh, yeah. Hell of a turnaround for her. So good to see her back. Cause she was playing great in Miami.
0: So. Oh, she was playing so well. That was, that was pretty heartbreaking. So very, yeah. Like you said, very glad she, she's back so quickly and the fans love her. So.
1: No doubt. No doubt. So yeah, it's been good. I'm, I'm excited to see how it kind of shapes that. Chorich is... Uh, Chorich just won again today, so he's... Uh, I think, are they going to... Is he going to play Alcaraz for sure? Is that already set? Alcaraz... No, Alcaraz has to play Hatchinov, and Chorich is going to play Altmaier, who got in as a lucky loser and has won... It's <laughs> uh, just... One, two, three... Proved four. himself. Yeah, four matches, so dang Uh, that's kind of the top half of the men's bottom half is uh still quite a bit to be decided to get into the quarters because these matches are all still going on which by the way fritz broke and held so now Zhang is serving at five six uh man this is this is looking like Zhang likes these tiebreak sets so we'll see i I got this one life score right here just updating
0: love it We know Fritz is good in the tiebreakers. Usually.
1: Yeah. That well, second
0: set he didn't do as well, but
1: yeah. I mean, you th- having a, a serve helps, but on the clay, it helps a little less. So right, we'll see. Um, and then just since I, I said the men's for the women uh, you've got Sviantek playing, like we said, Martich and the quarters and then Pagula Kudamatova. I mean, I would probably go chalk. Tech Pagula in the next round but never know I mean Pagula's trying to get back to the final because that's where she was last year so she needs to defend that Sakari Bagu I actually am going to pick Bagu in that one just she's playing great on the clay and Sakari I, I don't know sometimes she I'm, I'm rooting for her, but yeah sometimes she loses to, to players that technically she is ranked higher than you know right. on the surface Bagu playing well we'll see and then Sabalenka beat uh, the Egyptian Sheriff today. And uh, so I'm thinking maybe Sabalenka and I mean, Chalk, but I would take Sabalenka and Sviontek in the final again. And let's just pick Sabalenka just to go, go against the grain. I don't know.
0: Yep. Think... Give, her a, give her a little bit of redemption after.
1: Yeah. Well, Sviantec's going to have to beat some good players to get there. And I just think that it'd uh, be a little draining and, yeah, but not that you can't do it, so we'll see.
0: Yeah, it's been a great tournament. I don't know. There's there's definitely been some upsets in this one for sure.
1: Yeah, no, it's been fun to watch, and uh, that's what happens on the clay. You know, it's it's like all of a sudden you – everybody that you – you thought you kind of knew the order of where everybody falls, but then when you switch surfaces, it totally changes, and there's players that come out of the woodwork that you've never really heard before, but they're great on the clay. And, uh yeah. I think, I don't know if Roland Garros does this, but Wimbledon actually sees their players not by the rankings all the time. They'll actually look and just be like, we know this person is like good on the grass. So we're going to- Oh, wow. Um, I don't know if Roland Garros does that, but it'd be be worth it, I think. Yeah. But yeah, outside of the tennis though, there's been some interesting uh, things going on that are still part of the tennis world that I want to ask you about. After we uh, we take a break here, and we'll come back. And maybe talk a little Met Gala, huh? There we go. <laughs> Madison loved it. We were getting a lot of updates last night. Some exciting news. So, we'll right back. <laughs> hey guys, we are back. And like I said before the break, we're going to talk about the Met Gala that happened last night. Big thing in the tennis one. <laughs> tennis one tennis world. I should say we always have some (laughs) some tennis players at the event. Who who was there last night, Madison?
0: Yeah. So we had some big names, Serena Williams, of course, Roger Federer.
1: Uh, Two biggest names right there. Who else do you need?
0: Yep. And Patrick noticed that Matteo Berrettini was there. I didn't even know that. So that was very exciting. And then of course, Andy Roddick with his lovely wife, Brooklyn Decker, were also there. So
1: gotta love it. Federer and Roddick showing out i I would okay right off the bat who won the tux battle between Federer and roddick because Federer is well known for you know unfortunately ripping roddick's heart out in a lot of tennis matches so did he do it on the red carpet as well
0: um i'm gonna go with a thousand percent yes (laughs) roger ate that red carpet up okay he was in a dior tuxedo wore a brand new $35,000 Rolex, which I know in comparison to some of the watches he's worn in tennis is not that much, but yeah, sporting a brand new Rolex is not a bad way to walk down the carpet. He had the nice sunglasses going Dior. I mean, what else could you ask for? He looked fabulous.
1: Yeah. Federer knows how to work the red carpet. The guy's been doing it for years. Honestly, yeah. Uh, on the men's side, he's one of the top fashion icons for tennis. I mean, if you remember 100%. the uh, the all white suit that he wore out to Wimbledon that year, that he put the pants on backwards after he won. Wore- <laughs> I don't know if you knew that story, Madison, but no, like, he had this like <laughs> this all white. It almost looked like a suit outfit, like it was sort of a jacket and these pants that he like wore after he won the turn after he won Wimbledon. And after he finished the match, he put them on for the trophy ceremony and stuff, but he put the pants on backwards and like had them on that way, the whole ceremony. (gasps) And honestly, I don't think a lot of people even noticed because it it wasn't that obvious, but he, uh, later fessed up to it and uh, (laughs)
0: fashion icon making statements all the time with his fashion. There we go.
1: Yeah, They looked better that way anyway. So (laughs)
0: only roger could pull that off i think
1: yeah no doubt but um by the way five three fritz serving in the tie break so two points from the match wow um, back to the met gala so for people like me i want to ask you madison because i i've always you know known about the met gala you always hear about it when it's happening because so many celebrities are there um But what's the best way to sort of follow it? Because obviously you see everything on social. Do you watch it on TV? Like, is it on E or what's the best way to follow Met Gala?
0: Yeah. So they do not have any cameras, any recordings going on in the actual venue itself. It's very exclusive. Unless you are invited, you do not get to see what goes on on the inside. Obviously, we kind of, they give Anna Wintour, editor-in-chief of Vogue. She gives us a little rundown of what goes on. Basically, the Met Gala itself is a costume institute. And each year, a different theme is selected. And that costume institute is based upon the theme. So after the celebs walk the red carpet, which you can watch on Vogue.com, you can also watch on E! They do a live stream of the red carpet. So that's what I was watching. And then, of course, like Patrick said, you can follow on social media, E! Entertainment, MTV, Vogue. They always post a bunch of the looks. Mm. So, yes, that was kind of the structure of it. So you were able to watch on Vogue livestream. And um, this year, the hosting was not great, I will say. It was tough. There was a little bit of backlash on that. However, I know how hard it is to host a live stream when they're not going to commercial I mean you're literally you're having to talk basically for three hours of course there's going to be hiccups of course it's not going to go that smoothly in certain spots but overall they you know they did what they did their best yeah. it's a lot of celebrities to know and a lot of designers too so
1: for sure so there's a theme a costume theme so like what was the theme of this year
0: Yeah. So this year, let me just pull up my pronunciation because I don't want to mess up. Uh, let's see. It was Carl Lagerfeld who has passed away. Um, but he basically is kind of known for working with other designers at like their, let me, I don't want to misspeak on this. So hold on, let me pull up the Vogue article, but Essentially, each year they pick a different theme. Sometimes it's strictly based on a designer. Other years it's been like camp or something, you know, like US themed. So it's not always necessarily a designer, but this designer had worked with Chloe, uh, Dolce and Gabbana, Gucci, big designers. So okay. some of the celebrities, yeah, they had worn dresses that he previously designed or other celebrities had worn and they kind of asked to remake those so essentially what happens too is a celebrity will partner with a designer and they will dress them okay for the event
1: so they do they often partner with different designers or do they kind of go with the same people every every year I guess it just depends.
0: yeah so it really depends some celebrities stick with the same designer like you'll always see them wearing that particular designer but this year I felt like it was kind of all over the place and it was cool to see the different looks I will say compared to years past I think because it was based on a designer for the theme it wasn't quite as eccentric or out there or kind of crazy like the camp theme was so crazy Uh we saw some that was the year that camp is kind of like in a way cheesy or like i don't know i don't know the best way to describe camp but that's where like kendall jenner wore that feather orange outfit okay. jared leto had like his head with him <laughs> and yeah so that one okay. was a little that this one was a really I fun recall theme.
1: seeing like any really crazy outfits at this one
0: yeah i will say the only crazy ones jared leto came in a full-on cat suit and you didn't know it was him until he took off the head so it was like a mascot suit so that one was crazy and doja cat actually had a cat cat makeup on and it was like the feline it was clearly a prosthetic but she literally did not speak any english in her interview she was meowing you can look it up it was crazy so that was that those were probably the only two crazy looks that i would say i noticed
1: Jared Leto, shout out 30 Seconds to Mars. That was one of my favorite bands when I was a kid growing up. I love
0: them. I've seen them with my dad. We're big 30 Seconds to Mars people. (laughs) Ah,
1: Heck yeah, so cool. (laughs) Oh God, every every time this score updates, it's just like Fritz was serving at 6-5 for the match at the tie break. Uh, Zhang won that point, got it to six all, then won another point and was up 7-6. And then Fritz was serving and just managed to get it to seven all so we're at seven all right now
0: oh my goodness back and forth
1: well, yeah um okay so so the met gala it's obviously at the met the metropolitan museum of art in new york city um so once they go in like no press right that's where that ends and it's a it's a dinner i assume and what else goes on in there
0: yeah, yeah, so I think usually it's speeches by the chairs, and actually Roger Federer was a co-chair this year, and okay. he co-chaired alongside Michaela Cole, Dua Lipa, and Penelope Cruz. So That's he good. was kind of in charge of helping with the guest list, helping with the menu. So wow. he had some big duties this year. Yeah, I well, now actually, he's retired.
1: Now that he's yeah. retired. Look, I have more time to dedicate to this. I can, you know, be involved
0: and him and Anna we know are close so she you know big tennis fan we've seen her at Wimbledon U.S. Open of course so she she and him are are pretty close-knit so it's cool that he had a little bit more involvement with that this year I think so big job for
1: him no doubt well okay so it was it was a big night for Raj but probably an even bigger night for Serena Williams right when did you first find out that she like when you first saw her get out of what, I don't know, what she came in a car or like, how did she arrive?
0: Yeah. So she actually, before she took the red carpet, she took to her Instagram
1: and posted
0: a picture. Yep. That was before she took the carpet, posted a picture saying, was so excited when Anna Wintour invited all three of us to the Met Gala. And that was her big pregnancy announcement. She's expecting her second kid. very exciting for her we know that that was a big you know thing for her taking a step back from tennis they wanted to expand on their family so what better way to do it than met monday
1: yeah freaking mic drop serena's so good at that huh she just like why announce why just you know announce a baby when you can do it right ahead of the met gala yep And why,
0: why do it when you can't, you're wearing Gucci. I mean, what (laughs) better way she wore Gucci, this beautiful black and white dress with these long dramatic pearls. She looked great. Mm. Very exciting for her. So yeah, agreed. That was a big night for Serena for
1: sure. Yeah. Jeez. So, okay. We got to rate the, uh, the tennis looks out of the tennis players. Who do we have? We have Federer. We have Serena. We have Barrettini and Roddick. Is that, are those sort yep. of the four pro tennis players? All right. Yep. One, Yeah. two, three, four, rank them.
0: Oof.
1: okay. I think we know who your last place was from a conversation we yeah. had.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to, unfortunately, I know he, I love him to death, but Andy Roddick just didn't really bring the heat to the red carpet. However, his wife, Brooklyn Decker, and the two can be seen in the film, just go with it, the end scene together. Uh, married since 2009 she wore chanel stole the show for sure so actually you know what maybe she put puts them up in third place
1: okay yeah
0: yeah so i'm gonna put mateo at the bottom he was okay. wearing a M- malama all black tuxedo i'm not a huge fan of the all black look i don't like the black undershirt with the black tie with the black jacket so i think that i'm more of a classic thing so yeah actually take that back so andy's third mateo's fourth okay oh roger and serena i don't know that's really hard yeah i think i'm gonna take serena in the top spot just because displaying the bump she's in gucci i mean what more can you ask for roger close second though dior tuxedo his rolex love to see it
1: yeah i think we got to give it to serena for sure that was a that was a hell of a way to announce it and uh Roddick, you know, I, I feel like Roddick, you know, he doesn't want to steal the show. His his wife's the show at these types of events. I think I said to you, I I feel like his tuxedo was probably just like a tux that he already had that he wears to weddings. And he's just like, oh, yeah, this will work <laughs> that way. He, and he, he
0: doesn't have any social media, right? Besides Twitter. He doesn't have yeah. an Instagram.
1: She's great on Twitter, by the way. Everyone needs a follow yes. on Twitter. But uh, oh, there it is. Jang won 10-8 in the third set tiebreak. Oh, tie break.
0: wow. It
1: goes down. So in live time, we are updating the draft. There Matt goes my Sons. men's. I'm done. That's it for you. So I think Laura's going to take the men unless unless Alcaraz and Sitsipas both lose their next match, which I'm not betting on that. So looking like Laura's going to pull it out.
0: <laughs> but, uh. That was a close one.
1: Yeah. Okay. So anyway, back, back to the Met Gala, because I'm learning a lot here. <laughs> it, felt, it felt like there was a lot of hype this year. Like, how did this year's event compared to past years in terms of the hype? Does it feel like it's... Did they take years off during COVID maybe and it's just like fully on now or...
0: Yeah, so COVID, obviously 2020 March was when COVID hit. So they did not have the Met Gala in May of that year. Mm -hmm. And then in 2021, it was actually pushed back to September because of COVID. So it was a complete, for those that don't know, Met Gala, always the first Monday of May. Yeah. That is always how it's been. So when it was in September, it was a little weird, but it did allow for Matteo Berrettini, Isla Tomjanovic, and a couple other, I think Naomi Osaka went that year because it was right around the U.S. Open. So there were some definite tennis stars taking the red carpet that year, and actually a lot of other athletes as well. So that was a fun year, um, with exception of it being in September, which was kind of weird. So I would say that this year definitely felt like there was a lot of hype. Uh, Kind of the Queen's of the Met are Zendaya and Blake Lively. Blake Lively definitely being kind of known for everything that she wears. She matches her dresses to the red carpet. Last year, she changed her dress like it was reversible and they like undid something. And then her dress, basically she modeled it after Lady Liberty, the Statue of Liberty. So it was, if you haven't seen that look, definitely look it up. It was unbelievable. Yeah, look it up. It's iconic. Um, so I think without her presence this year, they just welcomed their fourth baby, her and Ryan Reynolds. So okay. I think that was definitely part of it. But as far as did it live up to the hype? I don't know. I don't know. Because I got I, I felt like there was mixed reactions on social media just because there wasn't any super standout outfits. Everybody looked beautiful. But there wasn't anything that you were just like, wow, that's something so different that you would never see anywhere else. So it just kind of felt more like an an award show red carpet, which isn't really what the Met is known for. So I don't know. The theme, like I said, being with a designer was a little bit different this year. Carl Augerfeld does a lot of beautiful designs, but yeah,
1: different. If he's like passed away, you know, maybe they're trying to like, I don't know. It's almost, it feels like you're trying to pay respect to this person. And definitely like, in that scenario do you want the show to be all about you like i, I don't know not really right so definitely you know, maybe they need to work on the theme for next year i mean i, I shouldn't say we don't want to take anything away from this designer who you know but i'm just saying maybe maybe a uh, more crazy theme will bring out crazier outfits so
0: yeah for sure i agree but it was a good successful met monday love to see the tennis stars take the red carpet so that was cool
1: no doubt, no doubt. It's good to see Roger and Serena out there working the circuit. Yeah. <laughs> Ed, which we may see him at Wimbledon. I hear that is going to do some commentary for Wimbledon. Oh, incredible. So that is going to be big time. Sad That's quickly. huge. But, uh,
0: I love that. Can't wait.
1: All right. Anything else? Anything else? I'm trying to think. Got to get back to watching some of this Madrid action. Jang, I got I to gotta watch the last couple points of that one. That was exciting. That's tough.
0: That's tough. exciting for him, for sure.
1: But you know, like you said, maybe if Morgan Riddle was there, it would have, you know, given him just. I'm that just
0: production. saying, I think she has some something to do with his winning streaks. Yeah. Seems like when she's with him, so she does be well. In Rome? She's gonna be in Rome. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep i I follow her pretty closely on social media, so I've been. <laughs> tracking where she's at and she said she's going back to Rome. So there we go.
1: Alright. You heard it here first. Thanks again, Madison. This is fun. We'll uh maybe catch up next week, I guess once once Rome gets going. I don't know if we'll do a draft. Maybe unless you and Laura are gonna maybe we can get Nate to come in and do a draft with you guys or something. There we go. Yeah. Bring it back. <laughs> awesome. And thanks again. Thanks guys for listening if you're on Spotify. A follow. A rating would be helpful. Uh, YouTube, like, subscribe, Tennis One. There's a comment section at the bottom. Really helpful. Any thoughts, uh, things you want us to talk about in the next episode, questions you want us to answer, throw them down there, and we'll be sure to do so. Until then, we'll talk to you guys next time.